Welcome to Running Out of Space, a podcast about collectors, their collections, and how they make room for it all in their lives. My name is Adam Grabarnik, and I've been a collector since I was a child. It began with stickers, which led to comics, which led to toys, sneakers, posters, pins, wine, and on and on and on. Taking a wide-angle view of my obsession for ownership, I've come to see how my collections have become intertwined with my personality and sense of identity. Speaking with other collectors on the internet and in real life, I've come to see that I'm not alone. The Running Out of Space podcast is a celebration of the spirit that unites all collectors. Because it doesn't matter if you collect paintings, watches, stamps, cars, guitars, or Barbie dolls, there is a common component within the collector themselves that transcends the object collected. Though the trophies may be different, the hunters are more similar than they know. Nick Taylor is a graphic designer and co-creative of Thunderwing Studio, alongside his wife, 90 zine queen J.B. Taylor. His most recent design work includes Florence and the Machine's Dance Fever album cover, typography for the movie Tar, and the Library of Esoterica book series for Tasha. As impressive as his body of work is, it's his latest endeavor with Tashin that has me wanting to talk his ear off. The deluxe box set of Manly P. Hall's seminal work, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. First published by Hall's Philosophical Research Society in 1928, The Secret Teachings of All Ages is the definitive resource on secret societies, the occult, and mystical philosophies. Thunderwing and their Library of Esoterica partner Jessica Hunley remastered and faithfully restored to the specs of the original first-run printings that were only offered to PRS patrons. Now available in an edition of 5,000, The Secret Teachings has gotten the full-on Toshin treatment. And at nearly 100 years since its first publication, it's about damn time. Welcome to the show, Nick Taylor. I didn't realize that this is like practically a one for one reproduction, right? It is. It's, I mean, what they call it a facsimile. Okay. So, yeah. So rather than like getting into the work of Manly P. Hall and the ideas and the philosophies of him, sure. which is a fantastic subject, but I feel like there's so much covered on it mm -hmm. and it can kind of get a little um, cringy for me to really dive into the ideas and the philosophies sure. in a conversation like this. Yep. Um, but I'll say this, like, like his whole, his whole idea of his work was like, why are we here? Yeah. What are we doing here? What are we supposed to be doing here? And uh, what can we do to make life better? Right. And that can pretty much encompass his whole kind of, yeah. his whole kind of work. Yeah. And I don't think he, it didn't seem like his intention was to give any one answer right. except the joy of knowledge like yeah. of of engaging with philosophy and engaging with knowledge yeah. all of the world's knowledge yeah so yeah. it's very beneficial for people who are searching for something to dive into his work but i don't want to get into too deep a detail of, sure. of what he was up to yeah and um his lectures and stuff there's a deluge of things out there uh right uh, involving him and his yeah. own work yeah yeah There's plenty of document but so uh his his um 
kind of grand treatise was this book, yeah. The Secret Teachings of All Ages. Yep. And for a very long time, the, the, the copy that I had was just a pamphlet. Yes. It was just kind of like a, a regular paperback kind mm -hmm. of workbook sort of thing. Right. Um, kind of, you have, have one, one too. Yeah, we have one. I mean, just, it's like super thick. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, a, it's so dense. I mean, these books are, they're just full of so much. Which is, it can kind of feel like homework and kind of sterile when you're reading it in that form. Right. Seeing it in this large format is yeah. absolutely astounding. Yeah. And that's how it was originally designed. It was um, this enormous book. It was originally, these are the original dimensions. These are the, yeah, uh, I mean, we, we actually, we changed them by, well, because it's Toshin and they're in, in, uh, they're in, they're not in customary, it's decimal. So I think we changed them, the measurements by like less than a centimeter in either uh -huh. dimension, but it really stays true to the original. So could we talk about the process of like the beginning yeah. of how the project came to be? Yes. And then I'd like to get into like the nuts and bolts of putting it all together. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, that stuff. I mean, I'm, so the way that it started was we've been working. So what's, what's called the library of esoterica is a collection of books. I mean, I have, I'll just pull one down. This is the most recent one, which is plant magic. Um, and we do a series and these, the idea of these books is that they're like an entry point into esoteric knowledge through visual media. Yeah. So it's really like a visual collection of things that, that speak to this subject there's one on tarot, there's one on astrology, there's one on witchcraft. And the PRS, the Philosophical Research Society, has become in some ways like the spiritual home for that book series because we always go there. It's like it's become a, a sort of a ritual that when we start to work on the next book, whatever it's going to be, we meet in their library. Mm -hmm. And um, Kelly Carmina, who's the librarian there and just, you know, a real keeper of the flame, mm -hmm. um, you know, will pull books for us. And that's what we've kind of gotten into the habit of going there. So, you know, we've always been aware of Secret Teachings book and it's like out, you know, presented beautifully on a book stand there. And one of the original ones, right? One of the original so that ones. That looks like this. Yes. Okay. And there, there are 500 of them. There were 500 of them printed. Um, they're because the philosophical research society was like a was a membership thing mm -hmm. there's like the subscribers edition yeah but they're all produced at this size and what's interesting is in like the 60s or 70s for the purposes of um you know production they shrank them down i've seen and they copies essentially like that. zoomed down yeah i actually have one right here so Philosophical Research Society is Manly P. Hall's institution that he formed, what was it, 1920-something or yeah. around that time? Yeah, yeah. mid-1920s, mid, uh, mid yeah. And it's on Franklin? It's on Los Feliz Boulevard. Los Feliz Boulevard, Boulevard yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and it's still there. Yes. And he had a renowned library of esoterica. Yes. Uh, There's something like 30,000 books. books. Yes. Yeah. And many of them are housed there. Yeah. The really special ones are at the Getty Research Institute uh -huh. at the Getty Center. Yeah. Um, so there's like a partnership there. Yeah. Um, but they took this massive book and did not redesign it. 
but just made it much smaller. Yeah, so I haven't like, seen this one. I mean, so the text is, I mean, if that seemed hard to get into, this is like a wall. I mean, yeah. you just, it's hard to yes. want to, it's hard to access the knowledge when it's like that dense feeling. You yes. Know? So this is the one, like I actually had a, a student um, from, who, who was a student of mine at the School of Visual Arts in New York named Rebecca, who got me hip to this. Yeah. And she, she was like, cause she grew up not far away from BRS and she showed me her copy. That's like this. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, the art's so amazing. I've got to yes. have one of those. So I bought myself one and have like sort of fallen in love with it. But now coming back to how this started was that Jessica Hundley, who's the series editor of the library of esoterica books um, said, you know, the the original version of this book which is big and it's beautiful on the inside it has all these um it has i want to get this no, it might not be down to the exact thing but i think it's about 52 53 illustrations by j augustus knapp right who who did all the all the illustrations that were published in this book um the outside of that original it comes in like a wooden um slip case okay. like the slip case that this one comes in that's not wooden um and they were very like lavishly produced, letter pressed, right. hand typeset in Oakland. Yeah. Um, and it was originally subscribed for his for his school members. Yes. For the people who were members of the PRS, it was available for them. Exactly. And it was only an edition of five hundred. I think so. Yeah. And it was, and they were a hundred dollars, which that's a lot of money in, back in the nineteen. I guess like in the late twenties, that's a ton. Oh yeah. So so real patrons. Yes. And so Jessica. Um, she, she, you know, Benedict Toshin, the publisher really loves the library of esoteric and what we're doing They're They've done very, very well for Toshin, which, because they're, they're, I think we really engineered them to be priced well yeah. and you get, I mean, it's 540, 520 pages, full color, you know, for 40 bucks is like a, it's a really nice sure. thing. So you know, Benedict is very excited about the esoteric work that we're doing. And Jessica invited Benedict to PRS to come see that library yeah. and experience it and see the book, which the way, she, you know, the way she saw it, she's like, to redo this book, there may only be a small handful of publishers in the world that could do it right. Totally. And with our personal and professional connection with PRS, like Jessica felt like she, you know, our team was like the right team to be the conduit to get this thing done yeah. again at the level that Manly P Hall wanted it done. Yeah. Right. So Benedict came with her there was like in awe of the library, just yeah. like couldn't believe he'd never been there. Right. And I think a lot of people in LA can't believe that they've never been there when yeah. they go there the first time because they're just like wow one of my most favorite stories about that library and mammy p hall is that um he was big on and i probably talked about this with you before he was big like in the book collecting circuit obviously yep. he was building this library mm -hmm. and his reputation became as such to where um at these auctions people like william randolph hearst would not bid against manly p hall Wow! If they they knew he was going for a book, oh wow! That's how respected he was in That's that community. That's really cool. So, yeah. like the fact that that library still exists, I heard that like he sold off like a lot of those books have actually been sold off over the years. I'm not sure. Potentially, yeah. But walking in that library, just like 
just the 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 atmosphere of being in there yeah the the wood paneling just the the the, the design and the layout of it yeah it's really intense it is i mean there's like i mean there's like great kind of uh slightly um like translucent skylights there's not yeah. it's not pure sunlight coming through but it's sort yes. of like sort of slightly occluded like yeah. sunlight coming in and so there's that kind of like ambient light in there and it's you walk up to any one of the cases and it's just i mean it always blows my mind like you just look at one case and you see like you know the 10 volumes of the golden bow and you go my god that's i i could study just that thing for 10 years yes um yes. all of the books are like that they have yes. so there's so much um intense wisdom that yes. can be absorbed in there yes and when you go on a friday um when they sort of have open library hours yeah. it's really fun because really odd people not odd in any kind of i don't mean that in any kind of pejorative term like sense i mean just it's a really interesting mixture of energies yeah in a library and everyone with the same yeah. purpose exactly they're searching for something exactly you know it's great because a lot of um a lot of uh, people think that YouTube is like kind of decaying minds and stuff. But for me, it really uh, opened me up to a lot of things in the early aughts when YouTube was just starting to mm -hmm. get going. Yeah. I was doing deep dives on stuff and finding Manly P. Hall's lectures on YouTube was some of the most mind expanding stuff I've ever experienced. It changed my life completely. Yeah. It, it uh, opened my mind to wonderful things. And it's something where... I wish that I was exposed to it earlier. Yeah. So the fact that it's it's available now for things like our kids yeah. is something that's so extraordinary. Like it for me, if I was exposed to the stuff that Manly P. Hall was talking about in the 20s through the 90s, it would have saved me so much time. But the fact was that I didn't have exposure to that. Right. My parents didn't know about the PRS. Right. People in LA did, sure. You know, people on the West Coast did. It's the same as like you know Robert Anton Wilson or Terrence McKenna. Sure. Like you had to be at Esalen, you had to be at right. in Big Sur at the at the bookshop where they were speaking. Right. Thankfully for some of these people, uh, uh, thank thank God for some of these people. Yes. If you believe in God. Yeah, yeah. For some of these people who were there recording it, I know that eventually would put it on YouTube. Yeah. You know, it is so great. But, you know, like with the PRS, there were the, those that, that tape membership and stuff where, you know, they did mail order and stuff. But right. who knew about that? Sure. When I when I found out about Manly P. Hall, I was like, oh, Secret Teachings of All Ages. I got to check it out. Yeah. But it was like versions like this. Yes. The print. Yes. Is so small. Yeah. And so to, to when when you first told me that you're doing this project. Right. I lit up. Yeah. Because I know the work that you do. I know the care that you that you take. And I know the. Um, aesthetic that you cherish and the, the standards that you keep mm -hmm. that this was just going to be a knockout and looking through this book even down to like the typeface that you use you know is it's absolutely extraordinary but so let me let me so let me talk about some of those details Please. Yeah. um the facsimile aspect of this and that's this is where i mean the science of making this book was yeah. so crazy because tashin has worked with a a photographer in LA a number of times documenting different kinds of things. Uh -huh. uh, his name's Blue Tremarchi, okay. and he works in uh, Garvanza. He's got a studio out there. And what they what they specialize in is photographing art objects and photographing art. 
That's really like, wow. one, I think his business is called Artworks and they they specialize in that. So I mean, we got, in and of itself, that's a skill. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, we I can share, I have some uh, day of photos that I took just of the setup of when they were photographing this book. So they took the original, you know, opened it up on those foam, you know, ramps yeah. really carefully and, you know, set, lit perfectly in the library you know, two assistants, um, cotton gloves, carefully making sure that every page is like perfectly flat. Yeah. And then photographing every single page of the book. Were you there for that? Yes. So it's every single, they were page by page. Just yes. Page click. Yes. And then page click. Exactly. And like so methodical because yeah. just keeping all that organized is an art in itself right you know and when it comes to the production team in cologne at Tashin that's dealing with all the photos and there's leveling and retouching that obviously has to sure has to happen so so they were all photographed and what we discovered in the process of photographing this was that prs still owns 48 of the 53 original pieces of artwork that J. Augustus Knapp painted for this book when Where it was are those? first made. They're at PRS. They, are they in they, the library or are they in a, they're, a gallery? They're, they have a vault where they keep really the special stuff. How, what, what are the dimensions of those paintings? They are slightly bigger than the, than the reproductions. So I'd say they're, you know, maybe eight, like shy of 18 by 24. Wow. Um, You've seen them? Yes. Wow. And so we photographed those um, and we photographed some naps that were not included in the original. Mm -hmm. We photographed, uh, Manly P. Hall worked with two artists, J. Augustus Knapp, who was a set painter yeah. and set decorator for the movies. Yeah. And when you look at the art, you see that quality. You really do. They do have that kind of like larger than life magical, yes. almost like they do kind of look like what when you watch a movie from the 20s and 30s and you see the like the um you know the strong man like uh -huh. those put like at a at a circus in the movie they have that quality yeah. that kind of like almost like art deco yeah there is yeah They're, totally it's, um, it's art deco meets like egypt yes and, and like regal hollywood yes yeah absolutely um and so and the other artist he worked with was mk Cerulean, yeah who um there's maybe 10 black and white um, paintings and a few like three to five color paintings that he did that are not included in Secret Teachings. Okay. There, there's maybe, I think there's like, there's one, no, maybe there isn't even one. I mean, so we included those in the companion book. That's we'll what those to, are. We'll oh, I got it. it. Yeah, yeah. So what's cool about that is that the photography and the retouching and the print production that was possible at that time has been like eclipsed 10 times since then. Yes. So we were able to photograph the originals and the amazing production team at Tashin took our new photos of the originals, which are in with incredible detail and yeah. high definition. And some of the retouching that was done on the images that went into the original book oh. before it was printed because oh. there was some retouching done. Yeah. And they kind of like 
did real like you know what you call movie magic like, yes of kind of applying the best of that retouching that was done and the best of what we know now yeah. to those original pieces of artwork and so the art that is presented in this book has not ever been presented the way that it is and it's astounding like sometimes with these sort of uh reproductions or uh remasterings mm -hmm. the 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 era in which the art was made isn't necessarily for lack of a better term honored right it's too it looks too slick it's too glossy yeah. these have that i don't want to say vintage but uh you know era specific yeah vibe to it i don't know if it's the colors or what but you guys really were able to keep it within the um the era in which it was conceived yeah which which is cool super cool yeah and it really adds to the the um hand feel of while you're while you're reading it it yes. really puts you in that in that area of when the book was made right yeah and it really does i mean the the feel of the paper i mean they really you know there's a real care for every single aspect of how it was produced but so these you know this is the page was photographed mm -hmm. and then this is a technical thing but it's turned into a a bitmap image okay. which essentially brings it to a black white yeah 50 50 threshold uh -huh. and um it's like as not quite as but as good as like a vector Okay. You know, I mean, it's not infinitely scalable like a vector, but it is incredibly detailed. And so, you know, the way that they were able to reproduce the black and white text so well and clearly, and then also represent the art, these, these new photos of the art so beautifully is, I mean, I just think it's like a testament to the well uh worked out production muscles of Tashin as a publisher i mean they their their <laughs> production team is really like second to none and understanding of aesthetic yes not making it too slick no i mean it's really it really feels like it's it's updated in all the right ways which yeah. is like you know benedict Tashin is a person who is a really impactful image uh -huh. is you know, worth a thousand words. Sure. And so the original secret teachings is is quite, I mean, I don't know, it's kind of boring looking on the outside. It just, it has a, this kind of unique um, book cloth that's, you know, it's paper overboard, but it's very kind of unassuming on the outside, but that's not Benedict's style. And so, you know, this, this book has, full color um four full color illustrations one and two on the book and then um three and four on the outside and so this is a um this is a nap that is not in the original book uh -huh. and then this one and the tree and uh the zohar um are are all um are all in the original book but it, it, it was the original cover like this no these paintings are this is new yes and this the inside the liner like the yeah the, this part this is new too right yeah so there's you know for his um 
for his even the color you got the color perfect i mean what uh, color is this what color like turquoise is i mean it's sort of like it's so good i mean i don't know i don't know exactly it's it's yeah it's like a it has a really like 1930s 1940s like lobby color and then you know this really like this is sort of like a there's a pantone color called um tms 021 c perfect for like it's not vintage but it's era specific yeah and then so the but then this i mean this is the part that you know we'll get into the companion book but like you know the other part that is new is this typographic design is new the 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 treatment of the of the logo and so what was it originally do you know it was um it was a, a really tight stack i mean this is it actually yeah so so um, what 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 year is this one? I think this one's seventy. Okay. So this is um, Caslon five forty, uh-huh. which is on the spine, and then what's here? Masonic, Hermetic, Kabbalistic, and Rosicrucian symbolical philosophy by Manly P. Hall is all in like a black letter. Um, that's a cool font, is which that, is that's cool. similar to what's inside here, right? So what? So, and in the same way of like in the spirit of updating what needed to be updated, but not updating too yeah, much, right? In yes, so like this is a weight of Caslon, but it's bold condensed. Okay, so it stays in the family of the Caslon. Okay, and then the and of are in the same black letter typeface, which is called Caxtonian, I think. Uh Um, and that's what we use to compose this new title treatment. Um, but then, but then even. How many Here. rounds did you go through for each one of the, these types of treatments? Do you inherently kind of know the zone that you want to be in yeah. by now? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was like, I, I mean, yeah, it was like, I, I think I came up with three different ones. I showed them to Benedict. He said that one, and that was, that was basically right. it. I mean, I think right. like, because it's not, I am proud that we did a new thing based on the old thing, but like, I didn't want to do something new that comes out of nowhere. Right. There's like no ego. In, I mean, there's no ego involved. And it's like, okay, there's Caslon. Okay. There's this black letter typeface. Let's just use them and do it in a way that, that feels toshing, which right. is, you know, kind of big and bold and, yeah. and unapologetic. But then here is this um, all seeing eye, which came from this um, illustration and so this scarab is was on the cover of the all-seeing eye, which was okay. Manley's, one of his pamphlets. One of his pamphlets. Yeah, right. Um, and so this book, and I like this scarab was sort of hand illustrated, the one that was mm-hmm. there. And like I redrew it, and it's like in terms of sacred geometry, is like perfect you know what i mean the, the scarab drawing or the representation of, of, of this scarab drawing is like mathematically perfect yes. where the other one was like i mean it was beautiful but like a little wonky because it was kind of hand illustrated yeah because we have computers you know all the angles of every single thing yes. is mathematically sort of right bravo and then there's you know there's these it's all made out of circles yes um and we extracted this all-seeing eye mm-hmm. and that became used as the end paper a repeat pattern yeah so here it's um gold on that sort of burnt orange color yeah. and then in this one it's black on turquoise but then this is something that we're really proud of the companion book right. because 
one of the things that Jessica Hundley, the editor, being probably on the short list of people that have read all of the secret teachings, right. which is like a lot to get through. Yes. You know, the thing about Manley when he was in his, it's it's insane to think that he did this when he was like 24, it 25. Really it's, it's, it yeah. really is mind blowing. Driven. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but he was kind of insecure and you can see it when you read because he cites all the philosophers and writers and thinkers yes. that preceded him. Because I mean, when I think about what I knew when I was 24, I mean, I was an idiot. I mean, I'm still an idiot, but I mean, a different kind right. of idiot then. Mm-hmm. To think that he was doing that, I would be very insecure about writing a book of the world's philosophies without citing sources. Yes. So a lot of this is quoted text. A lot of it. Yes. And so Jessica was like, well, you know, we're coming up on 100 years now. And his words in his pamphlets, in his lectures, his philosophy has stood this he has Long, cemented himself as a true mystic. Yes. Yeah. And so do what if we didn't cite all those other people that he was citing? Mm-hmm. So that's what the companion book is. It's really like a condensed version of the secret teachings yeah. with all the citations removed. And, and then there are these, um, the Surreillians mm-hmm. that were not in the original book that we use. Where did you find the, the, these original works? They were at PRS as well, right. like stored with the naps. Yeah. And so there's, you know, really beautiful portraits. Mm-hmm. We were able to scan all the old photos. Mm-hmm. Um, these are architectural renderings mm-hmm. that um, uh, Robert Stacy Judd did for the, the original plans in the sort of Mayan revival style, yeah. which is the style of PRS, but it doesn't quite look I like that. I always wonder like, what it must have been like to be in Los Angeles, to be in Los Feliz during the time when Manly P. Hall was speaking, when you could just go to a lecture and just sit there and just listen to him. I mean, incredible. Yeah. And I mean, the, and the, the, the part again, also well-documented the foundation for him writing this book was him taking this around the world year long trip Yeah, where he visited India and uh the middle east and japan and china and like got in touch with these ancient world religions that are non-western yeah um and so there are these beautifully reproduced photos of that of that trip um pictures that he and the photographers took him at the pyramids him studying um yogis not an ex- not a not a an inexpensive or um easy trip to make back then. No. I mean, yeah, like on ship. And I mean, the thing that I came to learn is that like you know, the way that PRS was built and all this happened was because of apparently two oil magnates, their wives were into this stuff. Yeah. They were believed in this and supported him and believed in what he was doing Mm -hmm. and that was where a lot of the funding came for him to take on this incredible you know challenge so it's usually where patronage patronage comes from yeah and in like and it's just it's one of those weird like you know double-edged swords where Mm -hmm. you're going like well i mean i don't know that at that time anyone knew any different but you know you like big oil that sounds really like demonic and horrible 
But then like that money gave birth to something really beautiful right. that is still inspiring people. Right. So you never know how to take that. But, you know, this really is true to the design of the big book, mm-hmm. but in, in a, just a slightly easier format. There's an introduction by Mitch Horowitz. Yes. Um, who is another one of the few people that's read the secret teachings. And there's some nice, um, this book has two foldouts. I saw, yes. Mm-hmm. And um one is like an Egyptian cartouche or something like that. Right? It's the the tablet the uh tablet of Isis. It's this yes, one. It's that, that's actually the one, right yeah. here. Um it is the Bembean table of Isis. So by the way, like prior to this, either you had the original version or you had a repro and which is similar but it's like all the paintings are black and white black and white and not very it lo- looks like scans yeah the the um symbolism that was printed in here it's 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 not it's it, it's it's pretty clear but it's also you know it's it's definitely blotchy and it's hard to read in some spots yeah but it's this is this is kind of more of a academic experience yes where this really offers like a all-encompassing experience yeah where it's also the it's also um a vibe in a way. Yeah. You're really like pulled into the work at this volume. I've actually re- uh read passages from both. Yep. I like the companion piece a lot, but I think that uh the reading it as it was printed with the citations yes. offers something a, a lot deeper. There's a lot of times where I was reading the companion I'm like, "Oh, I'd like to actually know more about this one part right. that he was talking about." And that, and that is, and I think that that is hopefully the, the experience for, for readers yeah. that, that you, I mean, even just touching on the library of esoterica thing, which is, as you were saying, like, this is a somewhat, you know, there's a vibe that draws you in yeah. versus just being a purely scholarly thing. Yeah. The call it unfortunate or just like it is reality. The way that in the age of, smartphones and instagram and stuff the way people take in information is image first sure then if you even have the split second to learn a little more you read the caption yeah and then if you if that lights something in you then you discover more and it's like that has to be the way that it happens like kind of like low barrier to entry yeah and if you are a person who's like ready to scratch that and go a little further open the door whatever metaphor you want to use it's there and you can go deeper. I will say this. This is a lot easier to read in bed. <laughs> yeah. <'cause I'm> like, <laughs> especially if you fall asleep because this one will clock you and you're yeah. out. Yeah. But touching upon that, looking at the the nap paintings in this book, mm-hmm. they're so powerful. Even if I don't know what's going on, like, yeah. you know, turning into a new chapter and looking at the image, there, there's such a profundity to the work. Yes. There's something that that they were definitely able to tap into that was a universal language in these images. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Um, were they based on original like works from uh, uh, like not pre-civilization, but yeah. like were they based on etchings or something in previous books like how did knapp draw these images like how or draw i mean draw them out of the ether like how did that how did the creative energy kind of get harnessed in such a powerful way 
I mean, I I have to think that it's. I mean, Manly was guiding this stuff. You know, yeah, what I mean, he was. Like, he, but of course, it's like it it doesn't come out of thin air. So when I look at some of them, okay, like here's an example. Like I, I just for fun, I took the you know um, Ezekiel's vision from uh-huh. the Bible uh-huh. and I put it into. Um, mid journey like one of the ai visualizers uh-huh. sure just to see what it would do with that sure i mean it just like i, I got no result yeah like it just kind of crapped out right. but if you i mean the the vision of ezekiel that that nap painted that's in here like it feels like a decent rendition of like the idea of like the eagle head and the bull head yes. and the head of the man and and the sword and the you know the wheels that are turning in like essentially all directions at once a lot of these things were written visuals right that needed a, a scholar as devoted as manly to help interpret them and maybe edit the vision so to speak and then somebody with the talent to actually render it and color it and the fact that they don't and they don't feel cheesy. Like no, they really they, feel. They feel like magic. Yeah. They feel like you're looking at like um, the Sistine Chapel yeah. sort of way. I've never seen the Sistine Chapel up close, but they yeah. feel yeah. relevatory. They yes. feel like a real magical act went into creating. Yes, it feels like the 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 philosophical minds and the secret societies that came up and or worshipped these beings to begin with. It feels like. Those are the hands that created those, mm. not some Hollywood no. set designer guy no. or, no. or a production design. Right. Not someone like that. No, it's true. There's a real kind of spirit in, in, invoked in yes. those. It's marvelous. And yeah. to see them and to see them in that, in this context, really drives it home. I think so. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm it's I think it's great. And I, I, I mean, I think that there's. You know, this is just an idea right now, mm-hmm. but, you know, you can sometimes manifest things by by talking them through. Mm-hmm. Like, you, Jessica and I have talked about, you know, this whole set, which, you you know, comes in a beautiful, like, yes. cardboard, car, beautiful cardboard box. But then it also has this set of prints, which are the ones Extraordinary. that... Extraordinary. Yeah. Frameworthy. That were on the outside of the box, but you've got the Hand of the Mysteries... The Sephiroth. And I'll take a picture of these for my Instagram too. Um, the Man of the Zohar and um, this visualization of the chakras. Like these four prints, are they're, they're gorgeously produced. And then, yeah, you can frame them. Um, it's, you know, it's $500. And I think that it's kind of like, what? You know, when you hear sure. a price like that, but it's a massive, lavishly produced thing. You know, we have it in our in our minds Mm -hmm. that it would be lovely to do something at this scale and beef this up a little bit, you know, with a few of the things that are from here and create something that is like, you know, a little bit more in the 80. Like consumer friendly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there are not, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a family in our neighborhood that like I walk, if I walk by their house at night, you know, I see that they have um, the David Hockney sumo, the it's yes. a Toshin one that comes on a red, blue, and yellow a tripod. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, oh wow, okay, you got to have one of those houses to have the space. Yes. To 
display a book that's that massive, you yes. know? I mean, like this book feels quite large in my house. Yes. <laughs> I don't quite know where to put it. I sometimes. don't know where to put the one I have, but I put it out. Yeah, I have it out handy because totally. I've been, you know, yeah. I, I want to refer to it. Yeah. Um, I, me personally, I feel like, and I, I'm so grateful that we're friends and that this project came into your life. And I'm so grateful that you gifted me one. Like it's, it's a treasure to me. Close. Um, but I, me myself, yes, I was ready to drop money on it, and I, f- yeah. I feel like anybody that knows about this work, yes, and it has come across their lives, yes. I feel like this would be something that they would budget out for, right? To have this version, yeah, it's such a special book. If if um, if 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 you have been able to have it come into your life, there's no doubt, yes, how special it is. It's true. But five hundred is, is five. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But I feel like the experience of reading the passages in this way, yes, gets you closer to the the original intention. Now that's not a barrier. It's great that there's all sorts of versions out yeah. there. Yeah. But man, this is hard to stay invested in. Sure, it this is. is very hard to be it's sitting true. there and reading. Yeah. You know, yeah. and to not have the. What I really like about this version is that. Um, the, the the images are so helpful when you're reading the passages. Yes. Not helpful in the sense of like a cliff note, but just to keep the the, the spirit of what is being written about. Yes. Uh active in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all those all the small illustrations that are from they're they're encyclopedic. You know, the way that they're they're really like not they they are done with artistry. Yeah. But the all those little illustrations of like the tetragrammaton or of the um you know there, there's like divine symbols throughout it that when you get to read them all and see them alongside the text it is like like you say it is like the original intent of yeah. that experience um what was the hardest part for you working on this um or most challenging i mean the Part I think the part that was the like the most challenging for me was 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 taking was doing the companion book, trying to include as many of those illustrations as possible. Uh-huh. And um, you know, text flow. I mean, just as a typographer, it's like yeah. text flow doing it well um with many um variables uh-huh. is a challenge i mean it's like something i mean it's like i could probably write a zen in the art of typesetting right. book myself but like i really enjoy it but it's it really takes attention it takes a lot of energy and was this any um were there any challenges differently than what you normally encounter um in keeping the book's um spirit intact was that a mission for you at all I'm like, I mean, just as a, as a designer, and it's like something I would really try to impart on my students that I taught for 10 years in New York, like, as a designer, there's always this kind of balance between artists, Mm -hmm. because you have artistic inclinations, you have an aesthetic, you have certain personal aesthetic preferences that, you know, what you can call sensibility. Um, but often as a designer, 
you are designing in service of something. Mm -hmm. You are designing branding for a business. It could be a business that you believe in, or it could be a business that you're impartial to. Hopefully you're not designing something for a business you don't believe in mm -hmm. or disagree with. Mm -hmm. But like, that isn't about you. It's not about you as an artist. So I really try to be very non-egoic in all of my design work. Like, mm -hmm. how can I channel this person's business into their branding? Or how can I channel this artist, this author's intention into this book? Mm -hmm. And not, not put myself in there in a uh in a way that where I'm present, but put myself in there as a as a channel, as a communication conduit. Mm -hmm. So always like suppressing any desire to put your own thumbprint on something, yeah. I think is like both challenging, but also like there's incredible salvation in that process as a designer. Like being invisible in the work. Yes. Right. Totally. But yet hundreds or if you even think if you think about typesetting thousands of little decisions micro decisions you are there like, yes but you're not like you no one's i don't really i mean yes of course i want people to go like oh he's a good designer but <laughs> i also don't it's not like it's kind of not about me it's just like about making doing the right thing because we love manly p hall and what he stands for and what he did with prs and the fact that it's still open and you can still go there on a friday and yeah. be and bathe and all that stuff yeah and there's still talks and lectures by contemporary thought people, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you can go and listen to and take what you will from. It's incredible how um, relevant he still is. Like, he still echoes. Like, I can listen to stuff that he's talking about in the 40s, and it just still relates. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like, it would have saved me so much time if I had found him earlier. But, you know, it found you when it found you. And yes, you found it did. It when it found, I mean, I'm sure yeah. if it was in seventh grade, I'd be like, I'm not ready for this. This guy, who is this guy? Yeah, which is very similar to like, I remember like being, you know, exposed to like people like Alan Watts. And it's just like, it's so true. Like you, there's certain things that you have to come to, even though like it's around during a certain time in your life, you need to come around to it. Mm -hmm. So it's very true. I mean, I remember, I, I'm sure I've told you this story and it just came up recently again at that, at when we did this book launch at PRS, that like, I remember going to Tower Records with my, with my friends. It was like something we would do on like a Friday night. It wasn't the last thing we would do. It was kind of like the early evening thing. Yeah. We'd go to Tower Records and just go look around. They That one in particular had like a separate room for world music yeah. and uh, classical and jazz. They were in separate yeah, rooms yeah. and there was like the pop and rock section and then there was like the electronic section which is where i would go and i remember seeing this it's like kind of corny this uh, this um cd cover for terrence mckenna and the space-time continuum which like that was one of those things where it's just like a mushroom that's kind of cgi-ish yeah, you know right. kind of early photoshop or yeah. like corel or whatever <laughs> with like you know some hypnotic yeah. <laughs> graphic behind it and i was like never heard of Terrence McKenna. Right. I think I had like 
you know, I worked at a skate shop where they would get free CDs sent to them from like who the hell knows. Right. They would just be like, these are cool or whatever. Check right. these out. Right. Trying to seed them to skate kids or something sure. like that. And I remember one of the weird CDs that they, that the owner of the skate shop was like, this, th- this stuff sucks, you know, was space time continuum, oh, okay. which is just like dr- droney spacey yes. ambient stuff, yes. which is cool. I mean, I like it, but. I've seen this on YouTube. I've seen the clip of this. Yes. And like. He's at a rave. Yes. And he's giving a lecture at a rave. Yes. And it's, I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he smokes DMT on stage. Amazing. Because like, there's a moment when, when you hear him talking and he's sort of quiet for a second. And then you hear the crowd go up and it's like, he must be taking something in. I don't like, that's Incredible. just what that's in my, anyway. sure. but like, we would listen to it and he starts talking in tongues and it's really weird. And my friends and I, we'd listen to it and you know, my friends would be like laughing at it because it was so silly, but I was like, yeah, it's silly, but I also kind of thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yes. and, you know, now all these years later, like actually taking the time to read like food of the gods mm-hmm. or true hallucinations and like see what he was into and doing like that hit me at a certain point by act by accident or not by accident yeah. when I was maybe not totally ready to right. take all that on. I'm just talking about like the, these weird, you know, we see our paths through life and like, they're kind of, they're very rarely a straight line, right? you know? And it know, takes those exposures, that yeah. kind of knee jerk of like, what is this? I don't, right. I don't know about this. This doesn't jive with what reality is around me versus having that, you know, that person exposure almost leaving like an impression on you later on in life. Maybe you can reference, at least that's how it worked for me with this sort of the, you know, esoteric thought and, um, kind of um metaphysics and yeah. philosophy yeah first I, I realized you know i need that imprint moment of like just the exposure of like whoa who is that mm-hmm. what's that it what is that oh i don't know about that yeah going away living life and then it kind of looping back around where you know maybe you're in a moment of you need something new or you're in a moment of confusion and you need some type of uh either like lighthouse or even buoy to latch onto and eventually you you, you something for me you come back around to something that's like, hey, what 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 was that person yeah. talking about? What is this over here again? Maybe I should check it out a little bit. I my my life is in a certain rhythm right now to where maybe I can be more receptive to it. Yep. Yeah. But but I, Manly P. Hall was never a thing for me. Right. Never even heard of him. Right. But like, you know, people like Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna, mm-hmm. even like Alistair Crowley, to be yeah. honest. Like yeah. even those like those types of names, it all kind of led to me discovering Manly P. Hall. And, yeah. if, you know, when, once I discovered Manly P. Hall, it's like, oh, like, this is the source. Yeah. I mean, Alan Watts is the shit. Terrence McKenna is the shit. Absolutely. Alistair Crowley, I, I particularly like, I'm fond of his work as yeah. well. Yeah. But, like, when you get to the work of Manly P. Hall, it just is it's masterful. I mean, every single spread of this book is, like, a potential doorway yes. into, I mean... He's trying to sum it up. That's oh, the funny yes. part. He's like, he's trying to condense, you know, thousands of years of a particular religion or philosophy or dogma or whatever into like a, a chapter of maybe, you know, 
there's a lot, but like 2000 words maybe per thing. Kind of nails it. I mean, yeah. have you seen a, a book that's kind of more um, all encompassing? And I mean, I think a lot of people think, and you can also be surprised to think that now, even almost a hundred years later, there really isn't a book or a website that is as deep and connected and illustrated. Yeah. And as concise complete as yes. that as this as this book is yes. nothing no one has quite i'm sure a lot of people have tried but nothing has like replicated it yet and like also back to the idea of like when it coming to things when you need to come to it or when um they naturally happen in your life listening to his lectures is no easy feat right he really um he he's very verbose mm -hmm. and um he goes on like some of his sentences are just massive run-ons yes. where there's like it's coded with tons of ideas yes to the point of where there's been many times where i've had to rewind yeah to listen to again yes and he'll go on like that for four hours yes so it is not for the casual listener it is you need to have some intention if you're sitting down yeah. to an endurance yes intellectual endurance to get through this stuff that it, that shouldn't be uh, necessarily a gate, but it is. But it also um, requires the person to have a um, focus yes. when they approach his work. Yeah, and LA is not a bad place for that because you know you spend time in the car. It's a good time so to true. listen to that stuff. Because so I true. like I can't work and listen. Like I couldn't listen to a Manly P. Hall lecture and be no. designing something because I'm just. I've tried. No, he goes, and it's. I mean, you'll be out to any, see. but like any audiobook or any thing where I have to listen and really pay attention. Yeah, I, I'm just. I like that. That what I'm doing fails, or I fail to actually absorb what yes. I'm listening to. You know. Yeah, so. it really requires that you hang on his every word. Yeah. I've rarely encountered a um, scholar or academic speaker like that where you really have to sit and listen to his, their every word yeah to get the main idea right but if the ideas are so grand and it's like if if you can if you can bear it and if you can if you do have that endurance you can get through it they're so rewarding yeah to the point to where i'm sitting here like wide-eyed thinking about it i mean that's how much of an impact yep this person has had on my life i can only and and so many other people's lives it's incredible yeah it seems like a big part of the secret teachings and what he was listing about secret societies and the philosophies of these secret colleges was the idea that we begin as a divine mind and we are trapped in mortality mm. and that mortality is and a lot of these a lot of these writings like the Eleusian mysteries and a lot of the kind of um parables and philosophical um ideas that are listed in the book point to the notion that this reality is an illusion and this is the death and when we are released our 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 divine spirit is released that is our immortal life that is right. the true life right do you think that that rings true for the way you were describing your um, design? This, like, in a certain way, this sounds like a 
sounds very aesthetic when I say this, yeah. but like there's that great scene in performance where Mick Jagger is like, um, you know, is sitting at his like recording yeah. um, sort of altar and like those massive speakers, it's like symmetrical and all the rugs are placed just so. And like, yeah. and, and I, and I think like, you know, bringing ritual into your work so that you forget yourself yes is very much a part of it and it's yeah. probably why i've bought like five keyboards and returned them in the past few months because i'm like it's not the right keyboard right <laughs> it's just silly stuff but right. like getting to a place where you forget the mechanics and you're kind of in a in a state of ritual and sort of fluidity yeah it's like a flow state yeah everything re re uh, kind of um aligns with that it does I mean, anytime so you can much... get into a flow state, it's right. almost like that. You're kind of um, ejecting out of like uh, the illusion of matter and material. And you see so much of, of like how, like you know, whether it's Tai Chi or like the Gurdjieff movements or like whirling dervishes yeah. or um, you know, ecstatic dance in like a Pentecostal church. Yeah. Like all of that is like about. It's not like it's just you are giving over yourself to movement yeah. and giving yourself yourself over to body and to flow. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that that's like you're trying to kind of kill the 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 mortality. Yeah, which is kind of antithetical for me and this show because I I do love collecting things and Same. like I do love yeah, like I love having this yeah. around me. Absolutely, there's something that this gives me by ha by owning it. Mm -hmm um and and in another sense um most of the things that i have contributes to that now whether or not that is an illusion is another thing altogether yeah um but there is something that ownership kind of imbues me with sure i don't know if that's something that i need to break or not but it just is what it is and i accept it yeah. about me and i find pleasure from it yes are there things that you collect do you collect anything i mean I, you collect books I mean, anything yeah, else? I, I, uh, I mean, and is book collecting like I say, I'd say I collect books, but is it really collecting or I guess it is right when you go to find editions of books and you go out of your way to get, you know, for, for somebody else. I mean, such as myself, like, yes, you gifted this to me, but I would have spent money for this. Yeah, I understand. It, this is a collectible to me. Yes. But is going to is just buying books is that collecting them if you're just buying them off amazon or is it is collecting more like when you start buying when you start, start searching out various editions and you start you oh i want this volume with this cover that I mean, seems more like collecting i think so but you could also you could you could also have an amazing library of cheap paperbacks of like incredible texts sure that like each one i mean you know, a lot of these are visual books. A lot of them are books of philosophy and sometimes it's, a you know, an overlapping of both. But like, to me, the books are like, they are like little doorways. Like yeah. Every single one is a portal into some idea or some vision. And like, there to me, there's like great, excitement great power in like knowing that you could just like go like as long as you have like some water and a little bit of food like you could travel 
into so many different modes of thought yes. and experiences through books. So to me, like, yeah, I, I think collecting books is like very much a collecting of, a, yeah. of things. I mean, I, I think, think that like a cheap paperback is fine. I think yeah. that I, I think once you get into the realm of I finished this book, I'm going to put it on my bookshelf. Right. That's collecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. a utility to it. Sure. You know, but then one, you know, but there's some people that's like, oh, I finished this book. Here you go. Right. But there's also like the idea of having it around, like the knowledge around you. Yeah. I, I like, to me, it has that kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit like an altar. That's you know what, what books mean? are to yes. me too. Yes. Like all of the collected knowledge that, that I, that I've curated onto this shelf and in this, and you know, my wife, Jennifer and creative partner, like. She has a, a library that makes this one look like a joke. Yes. You know, she's obsessed with trying to get her on. She's well, dodging me. <laughs> I'm, she, kidding. I'm kidding. I think she's into it. Yeah, she's ready. <laughs> um, she's always she's always ready to talk about collection. I mean, the other thing, like, did you collect anything as a kid? I collected comic books, which I think a lot of you know, like Marvel and DC stuff. Yeah, and then I think like right when I got into it was when. Cause like my dad wasn't into it. So it's not like I grew up with like sort of like the classics. Right. Like I got into it right when, um, you know, there was like DC and Marvel were the classics. Uh-huh. There was dark horse had been around for a while. And sure. image was like, like all those image comics were just hitting. Yes. Them. Like, you know, spawn and mm-hmm. the max and mm-hmm. some of those, like, I guess slightly more experimental kind of weird abstract. The nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long did that last? Several. I mean, three, four years, I'd say. Were you reading them? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was reading them. Yeah. Um, and I just, I loved, I mean, I loved, I, lo- I remember loving the Max. I thought that was just such a cool, Sam like the sort of in and out of uh, realities was yeah. very like potent to me. Um, and then... I mean, I collected, you know, sports cards and stuff like that. I don't know if I was like super into it, but I'm really into paper and printing and production and the thing. I like those. I like the thing. It, I mean, it's the same as you were just saying, sort of in some ways, I feel like we in the philosophies of like esotericism and stuff mm-hmm. or, you know, attaining Zen or revelation or whatever you want to call it that you let go of mm-hmm. everything of like all oh, possessions. None yeah. of that matters. You know, so scary. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I mean, I still love stuff. I just yes. love, I just love knowing that like, Oh yeah. Like there's a, I, yeah, there's like an idea in Freemasonry. Like, oh, like I have the book here. I'm yes. going to dig in there and I'm going to find it. And it's, yes. it's there. I mean, you could do that on the internet, but that doesn't, I'm like too nervous. <laughs> I know yeah. the internet's not going anywhere. Right. It's just like the fact that I can't, like if there's an EMP, the books are here. Right. If there's an EMP, there's an internet. So right. I guess that's fine. It's also the idea of like sitting there with the book open, what's on the other page. Like the internet, you don't, you can't really see what's on the other page right. a lot of times, you know, on the other page yes. with in the internet. Yes. When you have a book open, right. You can see what came before or after yeah. whatever you're looking for. And also, like, I, I mean, I know that there are... And the focus is there. There's something about, like, looking on something online where the focus isn't 100% there. Yeah. Because you know you can just open up another browser. 
And you know that you're at the whim of your impulse of like, oh yeah, this reminds me of this. Boom. Yes. Next thing you know, you're you're looking at something else that may reference what you're looking at, but you're still not yeah. in the thought. I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the author, but there was a a book that I read in like the mid 2000, like the mid zeros mm -hmm. of um, it's called The Shallows. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of like a modern philosophy book ish. And it, um, it came out right at around the same time as that book, Everything Bad is Good for You. Okay. Everything Bad is Good for You was kind of making the case that like gaming is like good for your brain because it's like so deep and yeah. whatever. Fine. Yeah. I personally don't agree, but that's sure. That's fine. I'm I'm not, it, for me, it isn't. Right. But it's not to way. say that it isn't for others. Um, but like, so The Shallows deals with like seriously how deep we go into things yeah. so the way that you interact with knowledge when you're online is like you're kind of like skittering around on the edge you're yes. never really like you're never really submerging yourself like truly deeply like meditating on a thing sure that's the argument of that book right and i think that i kind of agree like sitting isolating yourself however you do that yeah without distraction and reading and being alone with your thoughts. And there's so much to be said for, you know, you know, seeing your email ticker, mm -hmm. the number change. I mean, you're going to go check that. Mm -hmm. Then you're responding to that. Mm -hmm. The chances that you're even going to get back to the thing you were reading are slim. Right. And if you do, you've been distracted. You haven't gone like deep literally i yeah. mean that is that and yeah i mean that's having i was about to say yeah this experience of having the book this size yeah it ensures and it demands that you pay complete attention to it oh yeah if it's on your lap you're not getting up <laughs> no has there been anything that you bought recently a really big la book collector mm -hmm. passed away okay and um his wife was unloading a lot of his stuff because wow. there was a lot and one of the things that we got was this this stack is like not all but many of the manly p hall oh like, you're talking these about are, these you know magic an essay on the fundamental principles of uh, operative occultism may i see these yes yeah astrology and the ductless glands the Unreal. secret of the untroubled mind the adepts in the Eastern esoteric tradition. And these are like the original pamphlets like that were available to the PRS. Was this guy there? Or he just collected I, oh, I these think, like yeah, volume I, ones? No, I think he was, I think he was going. He was a he was like really into typography and design and book printing and was yeah. a big collector of you know, the apocalypse attributed to St. John. And these are just like so just plain, imagine just like getting this at the at the bookstore, just these plain pamphlets. Pluto in Libra, incredible. an interpretation. These are incredible. Now, did you 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 just got these? You you just came across. I just these. yeah, I just got these very recently. But like, if you look at the this is kind of what I'm talking about. Like, look at like these old like vintage colors. You you nailed. Yeah. The 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 color processing. Yes. Yeah, they're nailed all, it. Yeah, it's all here. Studies and character analysis. Incredible. And I think like this is another thing that I could totally get into collecting that I like look at this. This is it's almost the exact same. Yeah. Wow. This parabola magazine, 
I mean, these, if you start collecting, I mean, it's, it's like, what it, it's discussion. like a new age kind of, it's yeah, it's like all mystic kind of, yeah, it's all mystical, um, occult wisdom, but in a, it was in a monthly magazine or it was a seasonal, it was a Herabble? quarterly, quarterly magazine. Hello. Yeah. Let me see here. I know. Have you looked on eBay? At oh, the yeah. These? oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you, they're not that bad. That's the no? problem. They're like, you can get them for. 12 bucks, nice. you know, 18 bucks. Maybe some rare ones are for a little bit more. These will look good on the shelf, huh? Yeah. There's another um, There's another good magazine called Man, Myth, and Magic. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. I have. Um, look at, look. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. So wait. We tried, so, yeah, we tried to do a good job. So, yeah. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah, these are really cool. Yeah, they're fun. How deep was this guy's library it was uh, it was um it was like, oh, they uh, smelled good too yeah old books smelled good. some of the stuff was like you know one of a kind stuff i mean there there are books at the prs that are like handmade handwritten yeah. hand painted there's one you know like right. the, those kind of thing that guy collected that kind of stuff was there anything when you went to prs that they didn't let you check out and look at um you know i i don't I don't think that we necessarily came across anything that was forbidden. I think the things that are like of that nature are at the Getty, mm -hmm. but even there, like you can get a reader, you can become a reader at the Getty research Institute and you can schedule time to go there and you can look at really special books. I didn't know that they had the works from the philosophical research. Many of there. them are there. Yeah. Um, like there's, you know, in the back of this book, some of them more like antique volumes. I yes. Imagine, right? And like at the back of this book, there's a photo of Manley. Um, let me see. Here. This is him. Very famous yeah. uh, photo of him, yeah. And All the time. But at the top of his stack is this book that's shaped like a triangle. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is which is rad. Yeah. That there's a triangular book. Yeah. So it has the one spine and then it goes this way. Yeah. It actually opens that way. Got it. They have that at the Getty. That's cool. I saw it a couple of months ago. Uh, if you schedule time, you, you could, you know, wear the gloves and leaf wow. leaf through it carefully, you know, wow. um, because it was an event, they weren't letting people touch the books, which sure. was fine. Um, but like, I got to see that triangular book and that was like a real, uh, that was like, you know, kind of a Godhead thing. Yeah. No, I've I, always I, wanted to see that. Th that's a question I was going to have. Did you have any experiences that were kind of tingly or kind of new agey when you were making it the whole time it was yeah, right i mean i i mean i'm a huge i i i've been I'm trying to think of like when it like really so i think that when i was in college and i read the book grid systems mm -hmm. which is a very terse uh book about design um is that a famous book yeah, in, in the field this is like but like all, you know, like this um, compass is open to 60 degrees, mm -hmm. you know, like I just try to keep like all reminders everywhere yeah. of that kind of stuff. But yeah, so this book is like a very, um, like a very famous design education book. Okay. And is it um, suitable for everyday life or you think it's mostly for design? It's for design. Okay. I mean, I, anyone, it, if you, I mean, it's about planning. It's about logic. And he's like, a, you know, um, Joseph Mueller Brockman was a like the sort of um you know arch like 
arch logical, you know, German designer, very, okay. you know, very sort of rigid about stuff. But like in reading this, I remember that's when I was like introduced to the golden rectangle. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like a big, that was when a, a light went off. Tell me about the golden rectangle. Um, it's, it's, it's a rectangle that is recursive in that you, if you have it here and you add a square to it, you've now created another one, another rectangle, another golden rectangle, okay. the same proportions. Uh -huh. And they relate to the, uh, they relate to the Fibonacci sequence, uh -huh. which is, you know, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, 34, the 55. Reoccurring and the idea is that sequence one plus world. one is two, two plus one is three, three plus two is five, five plus three is eight, eight plus five is thir eight. You got 13, it. Uh -huh. and then 21, so, so, yeah. so. and and it, it, it grows according to that principle. So five to eight is a golden rectangle. Okay. And it's very close to a golden rectangle. I mean, the, the relationship is like 1.618 decimal, 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 uh -huh. continuing on for a very, very long time. And is that the desirable result in all design? You want to get to that golden rectangle? I mean, it's a very beautiful shape. Uh -huh. um, you know, in in Eastern cultures, like in, in like Japanese house planning, uh -huh. they love a double square. Okay. And squares are really awesome too. Like a square is a very wonderful shape. And you know, what happens when you make a double square, you know, it creates an opportunity for, you know, it's like Tetris basically, sure. it's, you know, um, the golden rectangle doesn't operate in quite such a tangible way, mm -hmm. but it's a very magical thing to, to see the relationships that start to come out of it. And so I feel like, you know, discovering the golden rectangle was like the beginning for me of, yeah. of loving sacred geometry. And so all of those things, like sacred geometry is at the core of a lot of these ancient philosophies. Yeah. Like Pythagoras I mean, talks about it yeah, in the whole section. Yeah. The pyramids, yeah. the, the Stonehenge, like yeah. all these sites that thankfully are preserved just due to their mass and gravity are like a window into the importance of math and an honoring of even the most like mundane thing, like how you shape something. It's just sure. doing it in that ritualistic way and sort of honoring, you know, I, I would, I really believe in that. You yeah. know, I think that there's like a magical, you imbue a mundane thing with magical properties if you honor those it comes things. it comes out too like if something is quote well designed there is kind of this universal connecting that you mm -hmm. have with the object yes that is so simple yes it, it doesn't require much thought at all it's like an immediate connection that you have and i don't i don't think i have the book here but there's a great book i i'm sure i loaned it to someone and yeah that's just what happens okay um it's called Geometry of Design by Kimberly Elam. And it's great. It's like a very, it's like the, this is not a, I'm not saying this in a negative way. It is like entry level understanding of geometry and design. Yeah. And so, you know, it deconstructs like 
different famous paintings uh-huh. and showing how there's like a, a star, you yes. know, pentagram I've seen stuff formation. Like this yes. Yeah. And like even looking at the Volkswagen Beetle that was designed in the 90s, right? The circularity of yes. it was very important to the way that it was shaped. Yes. You even see like there's people who've even done this where you they've taken, you know, like athletes that are at the pinnacle of movement and at the pinnacle of um of their sport mm-hmm. and and movement and they've done uh like you know if you see that they'll do like a thing of jordan dunking and they'll do the geometry oh, that's amazing of the, seen of that, the, they'll amazing. do like the figure geometry of it yeah. and it lines up in that very geometrical way it's yeah. very elegant did you see any coded geometry when you were laying the book out like did you see anything like within within the book that kind of you had this aha moment of like, oh, they were really paying attention when they were putting this book together or is that just, am I diving too deep here? No, it's not, I, I don't think it's that. It's just that like, there, there's like, there's a slight departure in a sense because because this is a facsimile. Yes. And so the design that was done to this was like, there we didn't do much design to it huh. you know what i mean yeah. it's a reproduction where this one i you know we wanted it to be half the size mm-hmm. just so that it the idea was that it would like sort of that they could fit neatly and mm-hmm. just that that there was something yeah. satisfying in designing it so it's half mm-hmm. um i didn't even realize that yeah yeah but that's good design you don't realize it sure yeah yeah um and you know i brought my sense of you know, proportion and page layout uh-huh. to the way that this is organized to honor the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, it's like here we weren't really designing and here I was doing my best to channel what I know about geometry and proportion mm-hmm. relationships uh, into this book. So you didn't see anything of like the original hands, any, any intention behind them? One, I mean, one sort of little like Easter egg, if you even want to call it that, is that um, when you go to PRS and you look many of the books, Manley stamped his uh, signature, his like, uh, not like book plate, but his sort of like, he would stamp on page 33 of every book. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and so on page 33 of this book, uh-huh. we yeah. put a little Ooh. MPH, all seeing eye. Uh-huh. And on the third page 33 of this book, we oh, put it one in there as well. So wait, so whoever whoever laid this, the original, I'm talking about the original secret teachings. Yes. There's no type of sacred geometry that you pinpointed in there or anything like that when you were looking through it? I mean, it not, I don't think in the page layout sense. Yeah. I don't know that that, that the typesetters in Oakland were guided by that. Right necessarily i mean frankly i i have i i think that the type is too small i think that the line the letting is too tight those are my i mean i think it makes it a little harder to read but they had a lot it's also about economy like if the letting was looser this book would probably be a hundred pages longer right which means that your typesetting a hundred more pages of type right and using a hundred more sheets of paper per book right you know so when you start to get into the economy of design it was done as at a at a juncture of aesthetics and, and economy at work 
Man, I didn't even realize on page 33 that there was a stamp on there. That's yeah. great. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And wow. So the original version was 100 bucks in what, 1930 or whatever? Yeah. Like I think 28 or 29. Yeah. So how many of the, do you do you know how many of those are left? How many of those editions are around these days? You know, it would be, I wonder if that's a, like, that's probably a question that PRS has some yeah. knowledge of. Um, you know, it's crazy to think, I mean, it's crazy now to think that that somebody, you know, moved from San Diego to, to Timbuktu and they were like, eh. Threw it away. <laughs> at some, you know, at some point, I mean, think about the 50s. It's like when you watch like, um, when you, there's like a few Mad Men episodes yeah. where you see um, the, like Don Draper and his family, they have a really beautiful picnic in the park. And then he picks up the the blanket at the end and just tosses it. And you're like, huh! you know, I mean, now yeah. that's like, you'd never do that. But yes. at that time, like all that shit, like someone would pick it up. Who cares? Yes. The fifties were a weird time. So there was a, yeah. I mean, there are probably a bunch of books that didn't survive all these decades. Right. Um, they have, because that library is like still intact, they have, you know, at least one of each. There's there are editions. Yeah. There's the subscribers edition, the um, first edition. There's a few different yeah. names. Um, they have one of each. You know. Yeah. For sure. Um, and maybe more. And may, and I think they probably know who has some of the originals. Yeah. But I don't know if they're all sort of like accounted for. Talk about standing the test of time. Yeah. And now this edition is definitely going to like, yeah, add to the legacy of the yeah. work. And we did um, at five thousand of these. It, five five thousand. Yes. Yeah. If if nothing else for the artistic quality of the book, hopefully that'll get into homes that wouldn't normally be responsive to this sort of work. Yeah, it's incredible. And I have this very special three thousand eighty seven. <laughs> All right. So wait, and okay, so I, I don't want to pass this over because this is just as important. The Library of Esoterica stuff that you do with Miss Hunley. The next volume is coming out soon? It is, uh, I would say probably nine months. And yeah. what's the next volume called? Sacred Sites. Oh. So, so yeah, so that's all about like the stuff we were just touching on. Like, Very cool. Yeah, it's it's like man living on earth man starting to interact with you know like the cave the the cave shrine mm-hmm. the idea of the deep inner sanctum mm-hmm. so like using earth for and um in alignment with our rituals uh-huh. and then starting to intervene you yeah. know like the 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 rock formations in south america yeah the pyramids, Stonehenge, uh-huh. like all those different um, interventions. And then like, but coming up to like ritual artist spaces, you know, like there's that great book about Francis Bacon's um, studio. Yes. You know, just like things yes. like that, where it's like, they are kind of modern versions of uh, devotional spaces. Sure. Yeah. Like the PRS. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've done, so, okay, so you've done, the Library of Esoterica has done tarot, astrology, yep. witchcraft, yes, 
And now the latest one is Plant Magic? Yes. And that one just came out? That one came, yes, about two months ago. What a body of work you 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 all are building. Yeah. How is the volume is just, is it, is it open-ended? Is there an end in it sight is, or are you just going to keep going? Yeah, I mean. Incredible. We are, so after Sacred Sites, we're going to do Spirit Worlds, mm-hmm. which is, you know, everything that that could entail. The, yeah. you know, the afterlife, the parallel, yeah. you know, um, and then, and then we're talking about doing sacred geometry. Incredible. Which I'm completely intimidated by. I'm be. going to love it, but also it's a lot. I mean, especially when, because I care a lot about it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge, a yeah, fun challenge. Sure. Well, these look great on the shelves. Thank you. This is a tremendous feat. Thank you. Is this one of the coolest things you've worked on ever? I mean, Absolutely. you've worked on some really, really cool stuff. But I mean, is this one of those things that just leaves a real impact in your life? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I feel so incredibly lucky that as a designer, I get to work on things that like I actually have a personal love for. Oh.